Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Top 8 Magic, Decks to Beat. I'm Brian David Marshall. My co-host is Gabe Carlton Barnes. Hello. I'm uh, really excited to do this. I've always wanted to do a podcast about magic. <laughs> uh, your podcasts are great, too. I've been on your podcast before. You do that one with Michael J. Flores about, yeah. is it about the NBA? It is. Uh, yeah, it's an NBA podcast, and sometimes yeah. we talk a little bit about magic, sometimes about comics, a lot about TV. Right, yeah, a lot about TV. That's great stuff. Really enjoy that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the goal—the goal of this podcast is actually to, um, you know, I w- it was inspired by my interview with Frank Kusumoto, uh from the mm. Magic Dojo, and he was talking. He really just brought me back when we were talking about it to, I the section that was most useful to me as someone who was playing in PTQs at the time, which was the decks to beat, right, right, and this was a section where it was just this huge info dump. Of like all the PTQ winning lists, nationals winning lists when there were nationals going on all over the world. Mm-hmm. And you just would find these decks. And, you know, that was how information about metagames was uh, spread at that time. Right. It was like the the baseline. Here's where it is right now. Right. From a snapshot. That's cool. I've, I've heard a lot about the dojo, but I wasn't, I didn't know about the dojo at the time. I was playing. And if I had had it, I probably would have been doing a lot better. So, <laughs> uh, and we're going to, so we're going to basically be the new dojo. Well, no. No, we're gonna take we're gonna take a narrower focus every week, and just like week to week, mostly focusing on standard, but modern when it becomes relevant. Sure. Uh, and the idea is to say, you know, what what do we need to do going into the next weekend's tournaments? You know, what are the decks we need to be able to beat? Right. Right. Yeah. What are what are what are the what are the weaknesses? I'm really relying on you here for a lot of this game, so I'm hoping you <laughs> I'm hoping you know this already because uh, yeah. uh, if you don't know Gabe, uh, Gabe is like if you had a bet on somebody. To top eight a PTQ. Right. This is your guy. Yeah, yeah my, my claim to fame is exactly this kind of thing, which is the PTQ circuit for a long time was this week-to-week format, you know? Say, like, this week we're playing, and then next week there's going to be another PTQ, and it's going to be the same format. It's going to be standard. It's going to continue to be modern or whatever. And so it was all about adapting to the last week's decks. Um, and, you know, you see that with the SCG circuit right now, and a lot of players are really good at it. But, yeah, absolutely. This is a place where I thrived. I could figure out a format during the PTQ season and find the way to win a PTQ. So, yeah, I've, I've won quite a few of them. Not so much the Pro Tours, but... So, so what, what's the secret to uh, attacking a format? Like, is it look, looking at the best deck and playing that deck, or is it finding a way to uh, beat the decks that you're expecting people to show up with? Yeah, I think the, the way to, the, to look at tournaments like that is to think of what are the decks that are going to be played by players who are really good. That's one of the things to focus on, because you have to be able to beat players that... Um, are not as serious about the game as you are, partly on skill. Um, and so you look at what are you seeing at the top tables and find out how to attack those. And oftentimes that means play the best deck and adjust it. And the, the king of this is Jerry Thompson. Right? Oh, Jerry Thompson, God, yeah. master of tweaking and finding the card that he's going to play in the mirror to win. You know, during the Cobblade era that people talk about a lot. He could tweak a deck and he was a master. But the other thing is finding, oh, the top players are playing these types of decks. Find the deck that's good against them shore up a weakness or rely on your skill to get you around that weakness so that's one of my favorite ways to attack a format is to say like everyone's playing this deck and nobody appreciates the value of this other deck it's fallen off the radar people have less sideboard cards for it i'll try that deck and i'll tweak it a little bit so that there's something unexpected right but the goal here is not to give people some sort of magic formula right for for finding for you know here's this deck you should play this week it's more like like let's let's talk about louis scott vargas's band company list Yep. From the Pro Tour and say, okay, 
what what are the weaknesses here, and and, and how do you how do you beat this deck? Where where's its vulnerabilities? Mm -hmm. Where's its strengths? What happens after sideboarding with this deck? Right, and where are the holes in the format, and what is going to happen next week based on what happened last week? Right, you know. And and I think Bank Company is a great place for us to start because I think it's a very open question mm -hmm. uh, going into the PT. It was expected to be the biggest deck. Right. And it, dominating the SCG circuit. Dominating, putting you know half the people through on day two mm -hmm. at the last SCG, uh, half the people in the top eight. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, just a huge showing and also rising to the top of the standings. Yep. But at the Pro Tour, it was actually under 20% of the field. Right. And it didn't do super well pushing people through. No, it didn't. But it did put two people into the top eight. Mm -hmm. uh, and... You know, did you, what do you think, so, you know, what 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 stands out to you about, like, Luis's take on the deck? It was interesting to me because uh, I had a chance to go into the Channel Fireball house before yeah. the event. And, like, it was, like, Tuesday, and they were really torn, right? Like, it was, it was really, <laughs> there was a real terror. Like, Sam Black is obviously trying to find some magic bullet. Right. Um, you know, other people are like, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get to here. You know, so I can get, you know, at the end of the season, I'm trying to get this many points. I, I need to get to gold. I need to make not make a disastrous choice. Right. I need to right. play something that I can play. And you would expect that to lead to more Bant Company decks. Right. But, you know, having been in that spot, especially for Pro Tours, when, you know, a lot of people have been saving their technology and their, their new ideas about the format for this tournament, you don't want to play the deck that everyone wants to be prepared for. Because, you know, everyone's sitting there talking, saying, I don't want to play a deck that will lose to Bant Company. Right. I want to be able to beat camp Bant Company. What's the deck that beats Bant Company and this? What's the deck that beats Bant Company and that? Yeah. So, you know, then if what ends up happening sometimes is you struggle so hard to find the decks that do that, that you go, well, if we can't find it, maybe no one else can, and we'll just play it. Right. Or, or you have someone in the house like Josh Hunter Layton or Luis Scott Vargas yep. who's on the Bant Company side of the matchups in the house so often that they get so many reps with the deck. Yes. And they learn the deck really and well. And they learn the deck super well. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what happened with those guys. And it was kind of funny, right? Like they, like all the Channel Fireball guys, almost all of them ended up playing the Bank Company deck. Uh -huh. uh, Sam ended up playing a deck that, you know, he was like, I think I can beat Bank Company like 80% of the time or some mm -hmm. ridiculous number. He had a Blue Black Madness deck with Wharf Infiltrators and Jaces and, you know, all these kind of madness spells and Liliana and would just make zombies and... Crypt Breaker, and this deck was This deck super... sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a, it is such a game deck. Yeah, I'd love to play this deck, yeah. It dies miserably to Liliana. Uh -huh. Right? It just it just falls apart too. Right. Yeah. And had a really rough time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, had a, had a really rough time on, on throughout the field. Yeah. You know, because everyone came with, with all these Liliana decks that were not as expected, I think. Right, yeah. I mean, I, you saw, it was actually really great to watch the Pro Tour and see how many different decks there were this time, right? You know, the SCGs had, um, what did OSIP win in SCG? Green-white humans. Green-white, just, or green-white tokens, right? Green-white tokens, yeah, Green-white yeah, tokens, yeah. And, and that deck had been dominating the format forever, it had been a band company, green-white tokens, and you were like, did this new set do anything? Did anything happen? Right. But, you know, you knew at the Pro Tour probably something was well, going to change. People were talking about banning stuff in band company. Yeah, right. Right? That yeah. was like the, like, well, you know, maybe we have to ban something so we yeah. have some fun for these last couple months of this standard. Yeah, format. totally. Yeah, and now we have a new card to talk about banning. <laughs> right? Uh, you ready to ban Emrakul? Yeah, yeah. I, I was ready to think about it. I didn't get a chance to watch all the Pro Tour coverage, but what I did watch every time I turned on was an Emrakul deck. And the other person going either also trying to get to Emrakul or going, I don't know what to do. 
Like, I, I, my deck has no plan to beat your Emrakul. Right. I can't beat you fast enough. I can't stop you from getting there, and I can't deal with it once it comes into play. So, Except as the tournament went on, we saw more and more people either beat an Emrakul. Yep. We saw Luis Scott Vargas beat Reed yep. Duke's Emrakul. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw people with Emrakuls on both sides of the table. <laughs> right. Uh, and we saw people start to figure out, I mean, people started reflector maging Emrakuls. Right. You know, they're like, man, you know, I'll bounce that. I'll... Let's give me give me a little time to settle in here and figure uh-huh. out my plan. Yeah, like, you get a turn. You start to figure some stuff out. Right. Um, so I was it, that was kind of it was it was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I did get to see LSV beat Emrakul, and so that was really enjoyable. And um, I, I think that's another interesting thing about formats that are well established that you're working with. Sometimes what you need to do is just play against the deck, figure out a plan for yeah. beating it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So so we were talking about Luis's deck, Force Self and Advocate for Dusk Watch Recruiter, Force Self of Spirit, which is a big. Uh, card from yes. uh, Eldritch Moon and a huge card really against Kozilek those Kozilek return decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one Jace, four Spell Queller, another new card, four Reflector Mage, three Tireless Tracker. And this is what I thought was kind of interesting two Archangel Avacyn. Right. In his deck. Never, they're never going to be a hit for company. Uh, his team split a little bit. I know Paul Cheon, I think, cut one Archangel. Right. And put one Eldrazi Displacer in his list. Oh, interesting. Which was really sweet with. Uh, you know, reflector mages and and other cards that you you know you want to protect and yeah, and this has been a combo. You've seen the vamp lists before the set came out. Some of them played displacer and some of them didn't, and you could see how powerful it was. You had a displacer reflector mage thing going. You can just return your opponent's guys all to their hand, and just a very powerful card. And then four collected company and four Dramoka's command, and then you know the the land, including uh, two lumbering falls, is another way to uh, to win. Yep. Um, and there's, yeah, no, no shortage of victory conditions in deck like this, right? It's all creatures and some supporting spells. Um, I like the Archangel. Um, what it does is, you know, often this deck leaves up uh, Collected Company, and it's transparent. Your opponent knows, oh, you're going to cast Collected Company. And it's a very different thing to do to cast Avacyn. So you say, right. I need five mana up, and they're like, oh, you're going to Company. Like, no, I'm casting Avacyn when you would, you know. So that's, um, I like that little piece of technology from... Uh, when, I, when I talked to LSV, he liked Clash of Wills a lot, which is in his sideboard. Yeah, I saw that. He doesn't. I, I was thinking that he would bring in a lot of negates, you know, something against... Um, uh, I was playtesting, actually, this deck against some of the new um, the Crush of Tentacles decks, the green-blue, which is a very okay. good metagame choice. Yeah. And it's really hard for this deck to beat a Crush of Tentacles deck. But after sideboard, you can bring in negates, which just really changed the matchup. Yeah. So I went to sideboard with this deck, and I was like, oh, it's Clash of Wills. How interesting. Well, I mean, he's got a couple, right? He's got two Clash of Wills, he's got one Negate, and he's got two Ojitize Commands. Yeah. So it's like a little package of spells that he can bring in. But uh, I, I, Clash of Wills, he's like, he said that Clash of Wills maybe should have been main deck. I don't know where, Wow. what you would shave for them. It's probably like one Dramokas Command and maybe one Archangel Avacyn then. Right. Another thing right. he said was Dramokas Command underperformed for him. At oh the yeah. Tournament. Right. So, well, yeah. It's not as good in a field full of Eldrazi, <laughs> you know, like uh, you know, uh, Elder Deep Fiends and right. Emeralds. Yeah, right? it doesn't not, do much against. Just them. not fighting mid range creatures against each other in the yeah. same way. Yeah. So uh, you know, and then that's probably just a matter of moving things around. Um, Tamio was a huge card for him mm-hmm. uh, against Reed, but the card that he said was just amazing for him. Uh, in the mirror specifically, it was a card that they they really feel like they found to break the mirror was Subjugator Angel. Subjugator Angel, yeah. So I saw that and I had to double check and make sure it was right because it's just <laughs> like it's just like a six mana four four flyer just seems terrible 
but taps all of your opponent's creatures, so you get these big board stalls. You tap, it's basically falter, right? Right. It's a six mana you can't block. And and you can't spell quell this. And you can't spell quell it. Right. right. Yeah. So like you know if you're if you know what are you gonna do? Are you gonna you know uh, you're gonna collect a company in response, or you're gonna collect a company before blockers, or right. you know you get to you get to you know really pick your spot and force through the damage and. Uh, if you're, you know, theoretically, if you were Paul Chion's list, you could actually displace your subjugator angel. Oh, definitely. Yeah, tap him over and over again. Yeah. That's pretty pretty good. Doesn't sound terrible. No. Um, he actually, and, and and I think Luis, as as sexy as Tamio was in that match against uh, Reed, mm -hmm. uh, I think he liked subjugator angel more, even in those matchups, too. Like, subjugator angel actually against the Eldrazi decks. So, like, they... Take your turn. Yeah. And draw, and they see a subjugator angel. Right. They're kind of dead. Um, because well, they can just cast it right then and not attack. Sure. Yeah. So they cast it right then. Yeah. Their creatures get tapped. Yep. Then you take your extra turn and you oh, kill right. them. Right. That's right. So they can't yeah. play it, but they also can't get it out of your hand. Oh, interesting. Right. They don't yeah, really yeah. have a good way to to get rid of it. Right. It's a really good. It's a really good mechanic against Nemerkul. And so they 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 kind of have to like just kind of brace for impact. <laughs> and uh, so it was a card I know he really liked in that matchup a lot. Yeah, that's a re that's a really cool piece of technology, and I hadn't thought about the way it works against uh, Emrakul. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You know, he he. You know, Tamio. I'm not sure. What, you know, would you? What what would you? How would you approach this sideboard going into this weekend at Grand Prix Portland? Yeah. So well, I think that that makes a lot of sense. That that card, if it's good against Emrakul, is exactly where you want to be because the the problem with this deck against. Um, an Emrakul deck, right? You can get to a certain point, pressure them, they cast Emrakul, you can't win anymore. Right. So, um, it's, I would say, adding another one of those makes a lot of sense. Um, I really liked Tamio, and it seems powerful, but you can only have so many expensive spells. So I think you have to find a way to, um, you know, uh, focus your plan against the, the, those Eldrazi decks. Um, yeah, I would say Subjugator Angel, and I would take out some cards that you have against um, matchups that don't exist so much anymore. I suspect... Taking out Gnarlwood Dryad probably makes a lot of sense. That card is sitting there just to be a, um, a turn one play against humans decks, right? You saw okay. one humans deck with a good record at the Pro Tour, probably going to be a less popular deck coming up. Um, and I think that, um, you know, all the technology for the Muir, the deck's going to be less popular now. So you, you think you think Grand Prix Portland, you sit down round one, uh -huh. or whatever your round one is, right? What percentage chance are you imagining that you're going to be facing a bank company deck? <laughs> I think that there's still a good chance. I think it's probably 10 or 15%. Okay. But it's not the 40% that it was. Okay. So I just think biasing against it is probably not as good as it used to be. Um, so I really like where this deck is. And my biggest um, objection to this particular deck is I, I struggle with the mana base. So if you're comfortable with this mana base and mulliganing... <laughs> so four Evolving um, Wilds, three Fortified Village, three Prairie Stream, six Plains, one Island, three Forest, four Coast, two Lumbering Falls. Yeah, and so if you shuffle it up, you just see a lot of opening hands where your lands come out awkwardly, you can't play your spells on time. But if you can, they're really, really powerful. Yeah, so the, the sideboarding, you know, this is a delicate sideboarding deck. If you're taking out collected companies, you can do lots of things. But if you're not, you have to uh, either side in creatures or only side out Archangel Avacyn, Dramoka's Command. Right. Right. So you have to choose a couple of cards that are focus in and really do what you want them to do. So I think where we are here is great. If Clash of Wills has been good, um, then that's a great card to have in the sideboard. Subjugator Angel, I would definitely add another one there. Yeah, I would probably drop the Gnarl Dryads and I would 
Um, I would want more negates. I think that at this point, um, the uh, what people are going to do in the format right now to attack the Eldrazi decks is to play um, decks that are spell-based. So there's two. One is the Howling Mind deck. Oh, yeah. Right? So We're going to see a lot deck. of that. Yeah. And negates really, really good against them. So actually is um, uh, Command, because you can take out the enchantment. That's the way to beat that deck. So you want to plan against um, the blue-red, um, you know, draw... A million cards. Fever Visions. Fever Visions deck. And thank you, Fever Visions. And then um, you want to plan against um, the blue green deck as well. Yeah. Um, do you, now, do you think that there's going to be a lot more of the, the white black control deck that uh, Lucas Blohan won the Pro Tour with? Uh, <laughs> you have to expect if somebody wins the Pro Tour, right? You're going to see a lot more of the deck. Like, it went, didn't just win it, right? Like, won it super convincingly. Had a bad matchup in the quarters, lost the first two games, gets mm -hmm. the sideboard. Goes three zero and then goes three zero three zero. Yeah, including you know what we're supposed to be. You know, you talked to Owen, he, you know, and the Pantheon guys are like, that's a pretty favorable matchup for us. But they uh -huh. felt like you know Lucas obviously played well and you know you know was basically deploying an army of zombies from Liliana pretty early on. Right. Yeah. In those matches. Yeah, um, I think that you're apt to see that black white deck, but people are just less likely to play control decks, especially ones that have just come out. Sure. Um, so I think that you'll see that deck, and against a deck like that, uh, you know, negates and clash of wills are definitely what you want, right? You want to be able to um, play at instant speed, and the sideboard here also has um, Jace and Tireless Tracker, uh, Nissa, Vastwood Seer. All of those cards are great against control. Right. So well, and that deck can't play any kind of uh, tempo, right? It's just it's just like play my spell, yeah. Get my exactly. advantage on my on board with my planeswalker, protect yeah. my planeswalker. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't do anything to interact with you other than, like, you know, maybe look at your hand once in a while and make you discard something. Yeah, exactly. But it's no counter magic coming out of that. Right, yeah. The, you know, so you get to dictate when the powerful spells happen if you play a negate, right? And negate's super powerful against stuff that's trying to control your board with languish, trying to control, trying to, you know, okay, go ahead and counter a spell with spell queller, and then I'll languish, and then I'll get my spell, or... Um, but I think you're well positioned against a deck like that because all of the creatures get to attack their planeswalkers, which is their source of card advantage. So. But but you know you don't feel like uh, with all these you know 26 creatures that cards like Languish and um, cause electric turn like are positioned well against this deck. I think those cards are good against this deck, but I don't think they're as good as this uh, deck is against they, those decks. Well, just not as good as they look because you know you can't give people a turn in this deck. With a Sylvan Advocate and a um, Tireless Tracker in play, or a Sylvan Advocate and a Dusk Watch Recruiter in play, as a control deck, that's super scary. The Advocate's gonna suddenly, as soon as they get the six land, it's gonna be too big to kill, and the other card's generating card advantage, so your Languish isn't getting you anywhere, right? right? You, it forces you to be proactive, and that's why there are those Planeswalkers in that deck, I think. So the idea there, I guess, Liliana forces the other person to overcommit to try to kill Liliana, and then you can Languish. But this deck with Spell Queller, if you go with main deck Clash of Wills, I really like that idea. That yeah. sounds awesome. Um, and uh, Negate can probably you know, give that deck hell. So like if you went one Archangel, three Dromoka's Command, one, two Clash of Wills, if you like that as a... Yeah, I think that's great. And I think definitely like those are the only cards you can cut, right? Because I can't, numbers. yeah, I can't. You can't cut creatures. This is already, you know, this is already, a, you know, according to those guys, this was a big conflict. They were already one creature... Low. Low on their yeah. command count for this deck. Yeah, and I think that Archangel Avacyn is actually a card that you could probably cut completely. I think part of the reason it's here is because they were expecting a lot of green light since it had still been very dominant. 
and the format hadn't shifted properly. But green-white, by all appearances, is dead. So I think you could actually cut both Archangel Avacyns, and you can maybe cut a Dromocus Command, put in two Clash of Wills, and then some uh, utility creature, either that Jace or oh, Nissa Jace. from the sideboard sure. or the Tireless Tracker. Any of those could go back and like, no, I like Nissa a lot. I love Nissa. I think it's a super good card. Yeah. And just really great at solving that you know particular problem where you have nothing but creatures. Right. It turns into something else. Yeah, so. yeah. And it's, and it's a source of card advantage for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So that was the Luis deck. Let's talk a little bit about the winning deck. Let's talk about Lucas Blondes like we alluded to it earlier. So um, this is this is kind of a deck up your alley to me. <laughs> it is. I've, I, I've played decks like this before. and although, although you would find a way to get some blue in there. Uh, yeah, normally I'm, when I play control decks, I tend to like to have counter spells in them. But um, I do love a deck that responds to the format really powerfully by taking advantage of like what other people are doing. And that's what this deck is. This deck is saying the format is full of people playing mid-range creatures, and I'm going to attack that. Um, it has main deck Hella Moonlight, uh, <laughs> which is uh, a, a, a piece of technology that I love. Ever since Hella Moonlight came out, I found ways to put it in main decks. Sure. Uh, so, um, obviously, uh, not to collected company is the big thing that that's doing first. And then um, the other thing it's doing is reacting to a lot of the cards that showed up um, that he may have known about, right? The Zombies deck. Sure. Right, the ability to bring zombies back from your graveyard. Um, it also affects um, token makers like, um, you know, you can stop a Planeswalker from making a token, but you can stop Hangerback Walker, right? right. Hangerback Walker, usually a big problem for decks like this. Um, you kill their creature, and then it just attacks you. So so this is Lucas's deck. It's three Liliana Blast Hope, two Obnix Lister Ignited, one Soren Grim Nemesis. Yep. Uh, six Planeswalkers main. Creatures, seven creatures only. So three Kalatas, Trader of Get. Three Archangel Avacyn, one Linvalo the Preserver, uh, then uh, 11 Sorceries, uh, two Transgress the Mind, three Read the Bones, two Ruinous Path, four Languish. Four Languish. Four Languish, yeah. We'll talk about those in a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Instants are four Grasp of Darkness, two Ultimate Price, two Hallowed Moonlight, two Anguish of Making, and then 26 lands, including a Blighted Fen. One Blighted Fen, and he has the full set of coming to play tapped Blue Black Lands. He has the Forsaken Sanctuaries, which are just... Come to play tent and nothing. They're basically guild gates. Yeah. 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 So uh, when I interviewed Lucas after his win, you know, and I, I said, you know, if you're taking this deck somewhere next weekend, like Grand Prix Portland, yeah. what would you do? Mm -hmm. And he's like, look, you know, look at these decks that are out there. Languish is not a great main deck card right now in a room full of Elder Deep Fiends, in a room full of Emrakuls, in a room full of things that are coming back from the graveyard all the time. He's like, honestly, I would find a way to move those to the sideboard or some number of those and other things to the sideboard, and I would move the Gideons to the main deck. Right. Which is a cool idea. Gideon is such a great clock for a control deck, right? Yeah, so I would give you 10 Planeswalkers. Yeah. <laughs> that would... Or he may, he may have moved one of the Planeswalkers. He may have maybe moved an Obnix. It may be three language, one Obnix list, but yeah, no, still. Right, find some way to get all of the Gideons in the main but deck. But yeah, he, he, he said get all the Gideons into his main deck. For yeah, sure. that's a bold choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this deck is really cool. My biggest struggle with a deck like this uh, when I was looking at it was that you have to be comfortable with the fact that your only plays on the first two turns of the game are going to be trying to kill your opponent's plays. Right. Right. So if they don't do anything, you're not doing anything. And if you don't have a way, if you're 
ultimate price doesn't line up well with the creature they play, you're not going to be able to do anything. Right. Um, so, yeah, the only plays this deck can make on turn one or two are Grasp of Darkness, Ultimate Price, Howl of Moonlight, and Transgress the Mind. Right. So those are all really passive defensive things to do. So you have to know the format. You have to know that no one's going to run you over when you do that. Right. And you need to be willing to then take a beating the next turn when you cast Read the Bones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's one of the reasons that it seems challenging to cut Languish. It might be the case that if in this metagame this deck is no longer good, that needs to cut Languish, then that deck is no longer good. Because the whole plan of this deck is deploy Planeswalkers, defend them with um, removal, and when your opponent commits to the board to kill your Planeswalkers, you can languish them out. Right. right. I think the idea is, though, that if you have Liliana and Gideon working together, you're you're able to... They sort of, like, arm-in-arm arm protect each other, right? Like, okay, yep. that guy gets... Minus. Get minus. Then now I make a token. Yep. Um, and you're able to sort of team up to, to protect them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'd be a little worried about, you know, getting... Um, overrun in that case but like we said earlier human seems like the only overrun deck and, and it's not very popular right now so um but yeah this deck obviously like super powerful mid game you look at the, the the cards in this deck that cost four five six mana right so ignoring even languish you have Kalidus, super super powerful card archangel avison Linval the preserver super powerful cards and then planeswalkers right so you know, and there's a rich collection of cards that cost that much, that much mana. You have 8, 9, 10 Planeswalkers and Creatures that cost 4 or more, or, or more plus the 4 language. So, um, yeah. This deck, it's funny because it's not going way over the top, right? It's not the biggest because it has nothing that costs more than... It has one Soren and that's the most expensive spell in the deck. So. Yeah. Now, um, just as a point of reference, on day one, David Schneier, who's a Montreal player, uh, went undefeated and then made a pretty deep run into day two going undefeated before he kind of ran afoul of day two. Uh-huh. Um, but was 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 X and O for a while in standard with uh, Esper control. Yep. 61 cards. <laughs> Sometimes 61 is right. <laughs> it's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I just thought it was kind of worth comparing a little bit to... Yeah. The black white Yeah, absolutely. Because right? they're they're obviously sort of in the same camp. You know, this is almost a very similar arrangement of planeswalkers, although he can't support um Liliana. Right. Because he's he's less um heavy less, black man. Yeah. yeah. In fact he's playing Westvale Abbey, so he even has color I mean Major Network. He's got a lot of colorless. Right. Man. And he's got Descend Upon the Sinful and Languish as his two uh two wraths, but only two languish. And mm. then two uh Descent. Yeah, which is a, a, a counter that's also a victory condition. Right. Yeah. So awesome. if you have Delirium, you get to put a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying onto the battlefield. And it's also exile creatures, which, by the way, you draw this after a, a you know an Emrakul, on your yeah. Emrakul turn, it's a, a pretty sweet card. It's another card. It's actually like Subjugator Angel. They all like, draw for your turn, like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I can't get this out of your hand. Yeah, yeah. I can't get this out of your hand and I can't do anything right. with yeah, it. Yeah, a card that you can just hold. One of the problems with that Cards that are good against Emrakul is, well, if you're holding it, then you don't get to use it. Well, we, <laughs> but we, this we, is one you can't. We talked about uh, your your buddy who wants to play the Grixis Donate deck. Yes. And that's a little bit of a problem yeah. against when, when you get to have an option that says lose the game right, when right. your opponent's controlling your turn. Uh-huh. The card we're talking about here is uh, it's um, 
Demonic Pact. Demonic Pact, right? So the whole point of this deck is you use all the three good modes on the Demonic Pact and you play Harmless Offering. Here you can have this Demonic Pact as one mode left to go ahead, right? Um, and if they just cast Emrakul the turn before, then you they choose, lose the game. <laughs> you don't get to choose one of the good modes. Um, yeah, so in playtesting that, that what sometimes what you had to do is donate it early. Take some good modes. Just, I right. can't have this when you Emrakul me. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I like how Descend Upon the Sinful kind of looks like, seven, you know, the same scenario yes, as Subjugator Angel. Absolutely. That uh, he was describing. Painful Truths here instead of Read the Bones. Right, which is a, just a better draw spell. You just draw, yeah. draw and, one more card is better. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, in theory, you have access to three colors of mana, although you do have three Westvales and one Matron Network to kind of screw that up a little bit. Right, there can be times when you only draw two. Yeah. Um, he has three Fortune's Favor in this. In oh, this yeah. Deck. Yeah, yeah. Um, and which could have been the 61st card that he caught, but he liked it too much. Yeah, exactly. He really, he really liked all this card. Um, You know, this is the the, uh, the new factor fiction variant, right? So you, your opponent looks at your top four and splits them into piles, but one of them is face down, and then you pick. Uh, have you played with this card much? I've, I've played with it once in limited. It seemed pretty... Uh, leaves you open to doubt about your selection. You're like, oh. Those are pretty good face-up, too, pretty good face-up yeah. cards. It's, it's, Why would he show me those? It's funny, because sometimes it's really hard, and sometimes it's just super easy. Because yeah. I've had a limited enough on both sides where, like, I cast it. My opponent showed me two cards. I was like, well, I don't... Those aren't tempting at all, but I guess that means the other cards just aren't good. Like, <laughs> I just got two bad cards. That's what yeah. kind of he was, he was saying. He said it was actually pretty, pretty straightforward. You could tell kind of what your opponent wanted you to do based right. on how they split it. Yeah. And, like, you just had to give a, have a little bit of intuition into what your opponent wanted you to do, and then you do the opposite. Right, yeah. yeah. Which seems like a dangerous trap. Dangerous <laughs> yes, road to go yeah. down. Yeah. You know. But, uh, but yeah, so, but, you know, we're talking mostly about the, the Lucas stack now, which could have as many as nine or ten Planeswalkers. How do you, what's, what, what, how do you attack this stack? You know, we talked about overrunning it. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the ways to attack this deck are, you know, you either get underneath it or go over the top of it because its mid-game is so powerful, like we talked about. So one way to get it to beat... Another way to beat it is to make its deck obsolete. So there's a ton of cards in this deck that just say destroy target creature, right? There's Grasp of Darkness, Ultimate Price. Um, and Anguish Done Making is a similar idea to that. So is Ruinous Path. They're close to that. And right. Languish are all sort of trying to control the board. So you can... Attack a deck like this by not playing creatures. Right. Right. Um, one of the ways to do that is to only cast Emrakul. <laughs> right. <laughs> one of the ways to do that is to, um, you know, play a deck that just plays enchantments and burn spells. Um, sure. Right. Uh, Anguish Time Making is their only way to get rid of your enchantment. And if you're playing that, that doesn't, yeah. doesn't work out so well. So, um, and burn is also really good against planeswalkers. Um, right. And all your cards are so similar, you don't really care, and you get transgressed. It's not like. Right, you, exactly. You're like, oh, well, that was irreplaceable. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, and they don't have that many transgresses either, so it's not a big deal. And then the other thing is, you know, it, yes, it is a language deck, and yes, it has a lot of creature removal, but I think if you play cheap creatures and you're smart about it, you can give the deck like this trouble because they have trouble optimizing their mana because of their casting costs. So you can take advantage of their missed turns and, and, and overrun them. Um, and then the other one, yeah, go over the top. So those are the ways to attack it. But it's actually pretty tough to attack. It's got... Things that work on all of those levels as well, right? So, so round one, you're playing, and again, same thing. What, what's your, what do you think the likelihood of playing this out? Over or under 10%? I'd say a little bit under 10%. People don't like playing control. Right. They really don't. 
people want to, you know, cast creatures. This has a, a, my one of my gauges for how popular a deck is going to be is how many planeswalkers and creatures are in the deck because people want to put their permanents out there and use them. Sure. People love being a master of their domain and having stuff. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a lean in a, a, a tournament like you know a Grand Prix towards decks that have a lot of that stuff. So yeah, you know what card I, I like against this deck a lot. I'm curious if it's any good. Uh-huh. Uh Because it's so hard to like if we saw multiple situations where uh, Lucas just assembled the West Coast Gate Watch, right? Uh-huh. You know, like you know, like uh, you know, just like a just a you know Tybalt shy of the Fall Squad, or, <laughs> right. you know, all yeah. um and. But he has like two or three planeswalkers out, and it's just so dominating. It's so hard to clean that up. Right? Yeah, There's... once you fall behind on the planeswalker game, it's hard. What do you think about Nahiri's Wrath? <laughs> yeah, Nahiri's Wrath seems like a card that is overdue to make an appearance. Now, did you see it in the Pro Tour? Mark Mueller, Mark Mueller, who played, who made top sixteen uh-huh. of the Pro Tour, uh, played it uh-huh. and killed three planeswalkers with it in a game. Yeah, it's insane. On day one, it wasn't on camera, unfortunately, and he left, or we were going to get him to come in and talk to us about it, and he had to leave. He left on Sunday, yeah. but yeah. So Nahiri's Wrath, Sorcery, Red Two, discard X cards as part of the casting cost, and you deal. Um, you deal damage yeah. to yeah. X creatures or planeswalkers or planeswalkers equal to the total converted mana cast of the discarded cards. So the way this works is you. Cast Nahiri's Wrath, you choose a number of targets, you discard that many cards. So I want to kill three Planeswalkers in this case. I discard three cards. And then those three cards, if they're all lands, have zero converted mana cost, and they do nothing. So if you have one that has converted mana cost 10, then the total is 10. So you have like the ability to discard some lands, and you have to put some spells in there so you have some, some cost, and then you can do a bunch of damage to a bunch of different cards. So... Um, it's, uh, it's very similar to Firestorm. Oh, yeah. Which is a card, a really old school card that costs one red. It was an instant. Yeah, oh, yeah, that card was disgusting. One red instant. Discard X cards, deal X damage to X target creatures and or players. Um, and that was one of those cards that during the age of card advantage, people were really into card advantage, took a minute for everyone to figure out how powerful it was. Nehiri's Wrath is similar. I don't know why it wasn't coming up in magiccards.info when I searched for Wrath. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think it... But it's... So, yeah. It's an additional cost, so you can get blown out by a counter spell, but against... Not a risk against Lucas's deck. Not a risk against Lucas's deck. Um, and none of the none of the cute stuff that he's doing has any impact on this. He doesn't have any damage prevention stuff. You know, nothing like right. that. Um, yeah, this card seems like it should be getting played. I mean, it's a mythic rare. That should say something, right? Yeah. It's usually some impact on those. Um, yeah, this deck, this card just hasn't found a home yet. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, you can... Uh, madness. So, like, let's just say you had it... Well, you can madness, but also, let's just say you had an Emrakul, right? And three uh-huh. and three lands yep. that you discarded. Yep. You still get to deal 13 to 4 sources. Yeah, it's crazy. 13, 13, 13, 13, yeah. not 13 divided. Uh-huh. You know, this isn't uh, spreading flames. This is 13 to everything. Right, yeah. So, uh, pretty pretty powerful card. And yes, you can... So, if you Madness with this, if you have Fiery Tempers in your deck, yeah. uh, so for four mana, you get to deal an extra three to something else. You can go to Yeah, the, and the Fiery Temper itself gives you three for your yeah. total in the Hero's yeah. Wrath. And so that takes away the, you know, the slight concern about card disadvantage, which is that, you know, no matter how you count it, 
If you don't madness, Nahiri's Wrath discards three cards, that's Nahiri's Wrath plus three. It's four cards, three targets. So you're always one card off, unless you do the thing that magic tells you to do, which is optimize it some way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, really cool card. Um, I'm pretty excited about the opportunity to build red-black vampires. Interesting. But there's something missing. Um, and I, I, but I think it's almost there. I really think there's a, there's a deck there. It was, it was certainly a deck people were, were talking about coming into the event. But, uh, I, I mean, I think, I, I actually, like, against the, like, if you knew you were going to face a room full of this deck, like, you would play Pedro Carvalho's Fevered Visions deck all day. The Fevered Visions deck is just really, it's a great metagame deck, you know? If you, if you identify what's happening in the room, and you, there's a couple of decks that you, you, you expect to see, that deck can just take them apart. And I expect to see a lot of it at the GP. Yeah, well, it's, it's also cheap to build. It's cheap to build. I mean, like, let's be honest, that's that's a factor yep. in people's decisions, especially if you're going to push someone off an existing deck yep. with a week to go before the GP. Yep. It's got to be something you can um, acquire nimbly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, I have those cards, or I can get those cards. Yeah. Or, someone or, will loan me those cards. Someone will loan me those cards. Or, God, that card's in sitting in my box, and I've never gotten a chance to show right. <laughs> yeah. it. Right, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. I got that last pick at the draft, <laughs> you know. Um, um, for anyone out there listening to this, if you want to beat the Fevered Visions deck, attack the Fevered Visions. Don't let it sit there. Don't, don't think don't, to yourself, don't go, oh, go, good, go. I can use these extra cards. No, kill that thing. Anything you can do to stop that one card. Interesting. Well, we'll, we'll talk we, we will we will talk about that deck a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that I think was, and, and this was true of the Lisa's deck as well that we talked about, is the sideboard is so... Uh, this deck sideboarded so well. Oh, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's an interesting sideboard. He's got a mix of uh, four ofs, like, I really want to be able to go in this direction, and little adjusting cards, like one, one or two ofs. Right, so one ultimate prize, one anguish of making, two dead weight. Two dead weight, yeah. Um, four Gideon, which I think that if you saw, you know, if you played Lucas's deck this yep. week, you would have some number of those Gideon's main deck. Yep. But one more transgress the mind, four duress. Yep. Um, although he didn't seem to like that card very much. Like when I talked to him about it, he was like, he was not bringing in for duress, right? right. Like he was just like, ugh, you don't want to draw duress. You don't want to, draw like, any you don't want to just draw a duress when you're done duressing your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then two infinite obliteration, which was a huge card this weekend. Yeah, really big, and it's going to be bigger now. Yeah. Yeah. No. So is that, a, is that an argument for this deck? Um, I think it certainly is. It has, you know, um, Access to infinite obliteration is is a great thing. There's a lot of decks that do have access to infinite obliteration, and one of the other cards that is really good is the um, blue blue two counter everything spell. Um, so I think playing blue or black, you want to have access to one of those. Um, and infinite obliteration is a little bit of a it's a tough one. You spend a turn casting infinite obliteration. If your opponent doesn't have the card in hand, you've got card disadvantage. Sure. If they have a backup plan, like Owen's deck cast Emrakul, but it also cast um, the uh, new 5-6 guy that taps all your yeah, points. Yeah, yeah, right? Elder Deep Feet. So if you, if you spend a turn infinite obliterating and fall behind, and then a turn later you get Deep Feet out and you don't have enough permanence in play, you haven't defended yourself well enough, you're going to lose the game because of it. So I don't love obliteration against everything, although I think it's powerful. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, Deadweight's obviously in there for um, the weenie decks, right? Yeah. Cheap interaction. Um, and so I think, yeah, you could cut some dresses and up the infinite obliterations and go with that plan. 
You can move Gideon to the main deck to give yourself a faster clock. And I think this deck is definitely still well suited for the format. Yeah. So what would you like this what, what would be your likelihood? Like if I, I lay out all the decks we're talking about. So far yeah. I've got Band Company. Yeah. Now we've had this black white deck. What's your likelihood to play with you know, give give them a sort of ranking? Uh, I I would choose black white. Over Bant. Over Bant, for sure. For one, because I trust the mana more. Um, it's a two-color deck with good mana. Um, and just because um, it, it, there's more play to it, there's more different things you can do. Bant Company has lots of options, but the options are which three drop do I cast. Right. This deck is, you know, how, how do I want to you know, attack my opponent. So. But by the way, worth pointing out, Bladed Fan is an, uh, a great anti-Emerical card. It is a great Like, where you can just sort of, like, if you think you're going to get Emerald, you can just sit back, have your mana yep. uh, untapped, and your opponent is really kind of challenged to cast that Emerald. They're going to get a turn off of you, but right. you get to, at the end of their turn... Yeah, Blight Defend them. That's, and, and then you also have a ton of creature removal, so if they try to, like, insulate by playing another creature, oh, yeah, you you're can kill that. Destroy that. If, yeah, so... Um, okay, so which deck do you want to talk about next? There's a, a bunch of Team Merge. Yeah, I think Team Merge is an interesting one. I really like the Emerge mechanic. Right. Um, and so... I was excited about trying to build something that utilized it, and I could not figure out where I wanted to be with, with the Emerge mechanic. And having played some games with the, these decks, there's just not that many things you can emerge with. You know, like, you look at Owen's deck, he has Pilgrim's Eye, and what else do you really want to sacrifice to an Elder Deep I mean, Fiend? Ishkana, um, the best thing to sacrifice to an Elder Deep Fiend is your last Elder Deep Fiend. Right, exactly. Right, like, the best thing yeah. you can do is start, start chaining Elder Deep Fiends together. And he's got three of them here, so yeah. he can chain them, although he's not going all in on it. He's not playing, right. playing four. And, and interestingly, not playing Traverse of Overwald. Right. Which I, I think is the most surprising thing about this deck. Right. It was interesting. I looked at this deck. You know, it plays Kozilek's Return, four Kozilek's Return, and it plays one Wretched Griff, which is a cheaper Deep Fiend, and only three Deep Fiend. Right. But it does much less than a Deep Fiend. It's just oh, yeah. not nearly as powerful. However, it does trigger Kozilek's Return. Right. So I looked at those two cards, and I thought to myself, Oh, he must be playing Traverse. So he can, this is a search target. This No, it's not. <laughs> he is playing uh, Grapple with the Past, which yeah. is a way of searching up. You, know, you, get, you mill into your graveyard, and you can just go get it. So it's, it, the, the, let's walk through the deck. One Chandra Flame Caller, three Emrakul the Promised End, three Elder Deep Fiend, one Wretched Griff, four Gnarlwood Dryad, yep. which is a really exciting card for Owen in, in the top eight. We saw him really just like kind of pivot into the attack beatdown deck and, yep. and go crazy with it. Uh, three Pilgrim's Eye, Two Ishkana Graph Widow, which is a sweet, sweet card. Yeah, especially sweet if you're going to be delirium-ing. Um, four Gather the Pack, four Nissus Pilgrimage. This is sort of like <laughs> a rampy kind of deck here. Yep. Um, four Kozilek's Return, four Grapple with the Past, two Corrupted Graph Stone, four Vessel of Nascency. And then Chivalry, Fjallamaya Coast, Mountain, Island Forest, three Game Trail. Interesting thing about that, that's 21 lands. Yeah. There's a 13, there are three 13 mana spells in this deck and only 21 <laughs> lands. So, of course, he has to get more than two thirds of the way through his deck to cast this spell, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, not exactly. Not exactly. Yeah. Um, really, Corrupted Grafstone, really interesting card to see here. Not super committed to it. Right. Edges of Outfield tap for two mana, and uh, it chooses a color of a card in your graveyard, and you get to make a color of that color. Make that color. The, the thing is, if you just cast it on turn two in most decks, it can't do anything, right? Right. You, don't, you have to get a card in your graveyard to activate this. Um, obviously, though, it's also an artifact, which helps with Delirium, um, and he just wants to get his mana out fast and start playing these spells that interact. This spell, this deck has nothing that 
impacts the game outside of Gnarlwood Dryad and Kozlek's return. Gnarlwood Dryad is Huge. for real. Yeah. It is for real. We saw Owen come out with like Gnarlwood Dryad, Vessel of Nascency, Gnarlwood Dryad or something like that and then like crack the Vessel on the next turn and just have Delirium yep. instantly. Crack for six, yeah. Yeah, and just like, yeah, just bash in for, for six. You get, you know, get those uh, Delirium on and it's just like just the Vessel of Nascency was the only thing Right. He did it with. Yeah. And well, one of the other really cool things about that card is that since it only costs one and you're this deck that can't interact in a lot of ways, you have this interesting play where it's a creature deck, you play it, they attack through it, you block and trade it off, right? It did its job. Well, then on turn three, you play Grapple with the Past, get it back and cast it again. So you moved more towards what you were trying to do in terms of, uh, yeah, you can turn a creature card from your graveyard. You don't have to mill it with Grapple of the Past. Right, right. right. So um, you can um, get it back and play it again. So, you know, it, it lets you, it doesn't just interact once. It can interact multiple times as you're playing all of these do-nothing cards. Grapple of the Past, Corrupt Aggression, that's what you can see. Gather, Gather the Pack, Nissus Pilgrimage. The deck only has 21 lands, but it has easily 35 cards that do nothing. <laughs> right? More, I think. So, um, interesting. And, and then Pilgrim's Eye is a card we're counting as, you know, an interactive card, so. You kind of know it's an interactive card? Yeah, we didn't list it amongst those, so it can chump block, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, do you like this deck? No, I don't like this deck at all. <laughs> um, I was really impressed with it. I love that it's doing it's doing three different things really well, right? It's doing the... I'm playing big Eldrazi to Flashback Coslex Return. It's doing the... Um, uh, I'm ramping to Emrakul thing, which is a different game than the Coslex Return game. And it's it's doing uh, the Delirium game where it's you know making Narwood Dryad really good, making Ishkana really good. So I'm impressed with it, but I I don't like playing decks like this that have so much do nothing. <laughs> um, how does how do you compare it to like Reed Duke's version? Like, so I thought it was fascinating that the Pantheon went multiple directions to yeah, get multiple to decks. yeah to get to Emrakul right yeah. multiple multiple directions so. Uh, Reed basically played a green-red ramp version. Right. Uh, so he drawn Crawler. Uh, he's playing four Traverse the Right. So his, his deck is a little... Only two Gather the Pack. Uh, four Grapple with the Pass. Four Vessel of Nascency. Uh, two Hedron Archive. Two Hedron Crawler is additional mana. He's also got an Overworld Hydra, which is kind of a... Yeah, it's kind of awesome. Hard. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, he's got that the Overworld Hydra in part because he's playing the Traverse the Overworld, right? Yeah. So Traverse gives you that option of, like, you start to have more one-ofs in your deck. So third, third well, lot, and he has lots in his deck, because listen to the numbers here on his creatures. Two Hedron Crawler, one Sylvan Advocate, one Nissa Vastwood Seer, two Ishkana, one Hydra, two World Breaker, two Dragonlord of Tarka, two Emrakul the Promised End. The opening hand from this deck is crazy. <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> four Traverse, two Gather the Pack, four Nissa's Pilgrimage, four Grapple, three Kozilek's Return, two Fiery Impulse. Uh, two Hedron Archive, four Vessel of Nascency. And then a more consistent... 22 lands. 20, 22 lands. Yeah, but, 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 but two colors, right? So he gets and, to play Drowneyard Temple. Which and he gets really to play Drowneyard Temple and he gets to play Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I like a deck like this a little bit more um, in terms of choosing to play it because I feel like it is going to be more consistent even though it has more one-ofs. You know, more consistent mana and... It feels like you have more interaction, although I think if we count it up, it's going to be really similar. Part of that is because of the traverses. They feel like a real spell. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think it was 
to me, it was actually the big breakout card from the tournament. Traverse. Yeah, we didn't really see much Traverse before last weekend. Yeah, this is a card that I was looking for a way to play. And I was thinking of it the other way. Because the way people figured out how to play Traverse the Oldenwald was they figured out to play Vessel of Nascency. Right. And Vessel of Nascency for me is the breakout card because... Oh, sure. Limited all-star. Right. Common, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this card is great. You always want two of these in your Delirium deck. But no one was playing Inconstructed until now. And it's good. Yeah. It's really good. And, and you know, I mean, we get a lot of limited all-stars here because Grapple Grapple of the Past, yep. I, I don't think, I feel I don't feel like Watsy saw that one coming up this weekend. No, probably not. It, it, it's, you know, it's is it a common? It's a common, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I like this this deck. Lots of commons. <laughs> and, Lots of commons and mythics. Yeah. You know, perfect, the perfect combination. Yeah, that's the kind of deck you want. Um, yeah, I think that... Um, that it's that that trio right it's grapple vessel and traverse that seems really really powerful yeah because you can search up any creature you want from your graveyard or from your deck <laughs> at a certain point with the two different cards um, so yeah this is i mean really this is a ramp deck it's a utility ramp deck um, much more obviously than um, owens which has this sort of mid-range game going on and then uh what, what do you think is going on here in the sideboard for Green Warden of Marasa? Green Warden of Marasa, super powerful card. Um, clearly for grindy matchups, right? Um, right, you're going to get to six mana and you're going to play this card that is a big body, gets and essentially picks two cards out of your graveyard to get back, one when it comes in and one when it dies. Um, I think Green Warden is a super, super powerful card and probably this is here for um, sort of mirror matches. Right. Um, I, I also like Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger in his sideboard. It's yeah. just like, you know what? You're like, I don't want to I don't want to play the 13. I just want to get to, <laughs> get to actual 10. Right, yeah, full 10. Well, the other thing is, this is another one of the great answers to um, Infinite Obliteration. So like, oh, I don't have any more, you know, uh, Emrakul's in my deck. I'll go get the Ulamog with my Traverse, and this is going to crush you anyway. Oh, by the way, you could also get a Dragon of Tarka. Right. Right? You just, like, kill some of their creatures and then just swing for eight. Yeah. Yeah. Dragon Lord Trigger, also a gigantic monster. Um, yeah, the other sideboard cards here look like there's a few more grindy things and then a lot of cheap interaction for more aggressive decks. Yeah. Which is... Do you have a consensus Emrakul version that you think you would want to play? Um, there's another Emrakul version that actually is Jund, right, that we saw as well that I think is interesting. Um, and I would start with the more consistent one that's two colors like this. Yeah. Um, because I think oftentimes what happens with the three-color decks is you just get tempted by a little bit of everything. Like, oh, I can't get rid of this, I can't get rid of that. And the mana bases in the format right now are not good enough for that. I'm talking about a 21 land, three-color deck that has less than 30 interactive cards, That's that makes me nervous. And, and, and so both of the decks we just talked about, Owen's deck and this deck, are just barreling towards an Emrakul, right? Like yes. That's, that's their sort of plan. This plan even more so, right? Like, it's going to traverse for Emrakul. It's, it's going to... Shrine of the Sacred yeah. Gods. Crazy question. Uh-huh. Digging for answers here uh -huh. about how to interact with... I'm like, just, you know, how different is this format with a Relic of Progenitus? Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. What, what do you think about Learn from the Past? <laughs> Um, I love the idea of a Learn from the Past. Uh, Learn from the Past. Dragons of Tarkir. Dragons of Tarkir. It's about to leave the format. Yep. Um, next set that comes out. Blue 3. Instant. instant draw a card. 
Well, eventually, after you after, after your completed target, ability. Target, target player yeah. shuffles their graveyard into their library. Yeah. Uh, the intention of this card is to be like, look, you can keep yourself from decking. Right. But really, the use for this card is to destroy your opponent's graveyard. Um, and it, at first blush, is really tempting because these decks spend so much work filling the graveyard. Like, if you hit this deck... Now, actually, Reed's deck is a little more scary to me. Right. Then maybe some of the other Emrakul decks. Like, maybe this deck can still just, like, World Break Me or Dragon Lord Tarkami or do something. Right. But, but cards maybe I can fight more fairly against. Right. Right? Like, I have other things I can do against those. But, you know, Emrakul... Takes your all turn. Your, all <laughs> your, and it takes your turn and all your instants are shut off. Yeah, yeah. So, against it. So, like, if you could catch them the turn before they cast Emrakul. And that's, yeah. like, that's, like, basically, uh, you know, Time wildfiring. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's why it's, it's <laughs> you know, destroying a bunch of you know, They're planning on casting this card for six or seven mana, and you're asking them now to pay 13 mana for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it also, you can play it in response to Ishkanah. Oh, sure. Right? You can play it when they get into combat thinking they're going to crush you using their, you know, um, what's the little creature called? The, oh, the... Narwhal Dryad, right? Yeah. So, when the, it, it, the card seems really, really powerful... If it costs two and didn't draw a card, I would be more excited right, about it. Yeah. Right? Because it's a little hard to leave four mana. But this but, format's a little... Like, if, if you're playing Bad Company, you could certainly side it in and yeah. leave that mana up pretty easily. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and this deck also, you know, you, you look at... These decks are going to give you the time to do that, right? You're going to have an opportunity to be like, play some card. And unfortunately, most four and five power card, four and five mana cards aren't enough to win the game immediately, so then they get their Emmer cool. So instead of trying to win the game immediately, you say... Actually, you're not there yet. Great. Right. Take a turn. So I like that idea. I think, um, you know, in, there's another card, another blue card that shuffles graveyards in the format too, which is uh, Days Undoing. Oh. Right. Okay. Blue two sorcery, and it's Time Twister. Everyone shuffles their graveyard into the library and draws seven new cards. And they shuffle their hand in two. So that gets rid of their graveyard. The problem with that one is you give them seven cards. Right. And so they're going to be able to refill really And they fast. get to untap. So, right. So they're just yeah. like, oh, vessel, vessel, grapple, grapple, gather. Yeah. And then, like, they're a turn away from casting it again. Right, totally. However, that might be worth trying out. Um, sure. Yeah. So. Uh, the the other deck that just, I think, Learn from the Past is really good against is, imagine a scenario <laughs> where you have a Haunted Dead in your graveyard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you discard two prized amalgams. Uh-huh. And you trigger for its ability. Haunted Dead. And then you're just like, oh, hold on. Yeah. Shuffle that all, shuffle that whole mess back into your deck. Back into your deck, and now they get they get nothing. Yeah, absolutely. They've just discarded two cards. Right. They, yeah. They they paid two. Paid mana, mana right, to right. discard two cards and lose the resource in the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's got to be the best case scenario, right? Right. That's very good. That's very good. Um, that's the one where you know, Hallow Moonlight can attack it too, which is unfortunate. That that cool zombie deck. It's actually a lot easier to attack, right? Right. It didn't make a big enough splash to be a big player. Yeah. I don't think. Maybe there's a deck there. But it might suffer some collateral damage because, like, you know, if, if people are thinking about Days Undoing and if they're thinking about, yep. um, you know, certainly we, we were talking about Learn from the Past, if people right. are, like, looking for these ways to punish the Emrakul deck from getting to 13 mana, you mm -hmm. know, from two different directions, you right. know, just cutting off one route to 13, then you might see some splash damage against that zombie deck. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the zombie deck is not it's not its day right now. But um, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with the Emrakul decks. I think they are 
attackable, but still very powerful. Right. So they may so continue to dominate the format. We, we've talked a bit about the red-blue deck. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, so, but by the way, just mention, you know, we talked about um, these, um, the Jundir versions of the... No, this is also Teamer. That's a Teamer this version. Is, but Emmanuel Gershenson is one of the few players who went 901 in the tournament. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, he's playing uh, the the Teamer version as well. Very, very similar to um, Owens, but with is very slightly tweaked numbers. Right. And he's playing Primal Druid, which is an interesting little right. addition there. And playing four Elder Deep Fiends and also playing a Lashweed Lurker. Lashweed Lurker is exciting. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Kind of an exciting card. Yeah. Uh four Gather. They're playing four Grapple, but they're not playing they're not playing Vessel. Yeah, which seems crazy. Seems like that was a mix. Like if you're looking at Emmanuel's deck, I would try to figure out how to get Vessel in there. Yeah, absolutely. They're also playing twenty four lands. Right, which I like better. So maybe that's part of where those you know, that's three spots for Vessel. I, if you're I, I think I might like Vessel more than Primal Druid. Uh yeah, probably that's where it goes. Although Primal Druid, you know, he's got more of the emerge stuff here, so he's looking for right. cards. Um, so Ken Yukihiro, uh Green Red, also also nine oh and one. With Hangerback Walker and Emrakul in his deck. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. Um, and Collective Defiance. So oh, I love yeah. these Collective cards. Oh, my really God. They were all so good. Really, really good. So yeah. Collective Defiance is one RR for a sorcery. Target player discards all the cards in his or her hand and draws that many cards. <laughs> which might be something you're interested in when you're trying to get to Emrakul. Right, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you can pay one to escalate it. And then you get you, you could choose any of these three. You can have it deal four damage to target creature. Or you can have it deal three damage to target opponent. So for five mana, you could Wheel of Fortune yourself, sort of. Yeah. Uh, Winds of Change Winds yourself. of Change, yep. Um, deal four to a creature and deal three to your opponent. So Bathe in Dragonfire, um, Lava <laughs> Spike, and... Uh, um, Winds of Change. Winds of Change, yeah. Like that, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, pre pretty exciting. Tormenting Voice also. Four Traverse in this deck. I actually like this list a lot. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think that... Um, Again, no, um, they didn't find the Vessel of Nascency. Here. Didn't find the Vessel, and have they have three Kozilex returns, and far fewer ways to trigger it. Yep. So they basically have three Emrakuls and one Worldbreaker. Yeah, is actually, does is, Kozilex is return actually say Eldrazi creature? It does, right? Or is it colorless creature? Eldrazi it's colorless, it's spell. yeah. Okay, so you can't just play a really big hangerback walker. No, no, no. <laughs> That'd be no, cool. no, no, no. <laughs> It's yeah. It's gotta be. It's gotta be World Breaker or uh, Emrakul in this case. And, and Traverse is in here, so you can tutor them up. But nonetheless, it's yeah. it's a little tough. Yeah. Again, I, I feel like you you might want Vessel. Yes. Like yeah. I think if you're gonna go all in on getting you're getting an Emrakul, then I think you just want all the tools at your disposal. Yeah, I agree. And Vessel gives you an enchantment, which is a hard one to get anyway. So it's a it's a super valuable tool. One of the cards that I loved in Ken's deck, uh, sideboard card. Weaver of Lightning. Oh yeah. Weaver of Lightning. It was so we he had a match. Uh, I think he was playing against Yan Cassander with like two rounds to go. Mm -hmm. And so a draw is just brutal for both of them. Yeah. 45 minutes on the clock for the first two games. Like basically basically under five minutes left of clock to finish the match. Yeah. In the feature match area. And it happened on camera. You can find the matches. <laughs> and it's just like 
He's playing against Yankee Sanders. Yankee Sanders playing the Bant Spirits deck, so it's a little bit like a collective comp collective company deck, but he's playing a lot of uh, things like Nebelgast Herald oh, and yeah. uh, Selfless right. Spirits yeah. and uh, Welcome Turns and you know uh -huh. what I mean, like all this kind rattle of stuff. Chains or whatever. Yeah, Rattle Chains, whatever, and like and Weaver of Lightning is just devastating oh, against that deck. And yeah, and he was just able to between. Uh, Weaver of Lightning, three sideboarded Goblin Dark Dwellers, and his Hangerback Walkers just actually get to 15 damage in one turn on wow. turn four of extra turns. Wow. It was insane. Yeah. It was That's insane. Awesome. Uh, Goblin Dark Dwellers is a card that I really wish had more, would see more action in this format. I look forward to when that finds its deck. Yeah. You know, I, I think the pairing for it is Eldritch Evolution. Uh, and, I, and, right. I, and I understand that this is a little counterintuitive because when you cast Eldritch Evolution, it exiles itself. Right. <laughs> but 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 look at all the vessels, grapples, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and gather the packs right. that are going on. So you you know you gather into your dark dweller. Yep. Right. You play your dark dweller. If you've got an eldritch evolution in your yard, yep, which you is play. possible, you can now convert your goblin dark dweller into dragonlord tarka. Yeah, immediately. Which is yeah. just kind of insane. super powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and then also just being able to convert a three into a Goblin Dark, Dark Dweller, Dweller and then get another spell. You know what I mean? Like, you just chain it into another Gather the Pack or chain it into Collective Defiance or chain it into yeah, yeah, something totally. else. Yeah. It's just super value. Like, you get so much value out of that. Right, yeah, it's a really interesting interaction. It's probably why it exiles itself. Is because oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. But... it's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. But so the deck I wanted to talk about uh, here is, is, is a deck that, you know, we've seen a ton of play on Magic Online. Uh, of course. Uh, everyone's got their version of it. Right. Right. But, like, it was Pedro Carvalho went 9-1. and one. Uh, I could tell you no concessions down the line. This was hard fought. <laughs> like, he was playing, like, people were playing every round. Yeah. Um, and this deck looks awesome. kind of awesome. So I was going to say a little bit like a joke. Like, if someone yeah, said to you, right, yeah, yeah. like, I'm like, if I came to you before the Pro Tour, I'm like, hey, this deck's going to go 9-1 at the Pro Tour, you'd kind of laugh, right? Right. Uh, I'd, I'd be like, who's telling you this? Who is it? <laughs> so, so here's the list. Three to the Thing in the Ice. Four Thermo Alchemist. Yep. Four Thermo, four Thermo Alchemist. Alchemist. Two Jays for his prodigy. Four <laughs> Thermo Alchemist, just two Jays. Yep. Two Tormenting Voice. Four Incendiary Flow. Four Collective Defiance. Again, yep. that card. Uh, two to spell, two unsubstantiate, three fiery impulse, two lightning axe, four fiery temper, uh, four fevered visions, and then 24 lands. So this doesn't even feel like a there's magic a deck. This, yeah. <laughs> you know, this this doesn't feel like this crazy, crazy deck. No, it doesn't seem like, oh my god, that deck's so powerful. And this the secret to this deck, right, is that... Um, it's fevered visions changes the way the game operates, right? It's I was calling it Howling Mine earlier. Making everyone draw two cards a turn just changes magic so much. It violates a fundamental rule of the game. Violates, violates a fundamental rule of the game, exactly. It really overloads your mana, for one thing. And this is a format where everyone's casting really expensive stuff. So a lot of people struggle to use that extra card every turn. And this deck says, you're going to struggle to use that extra card every turn? I'm going to play spells that cost one and two mana. Like, look at this. The Collective Defiance costs three. Fiery Temper, quote-unquote, costs three. You can also discard it to hand size, by discard the way. Discard it to hand size, and you can madness when that happens. And then it's Lightning X, Fiery Impulse, and Substantiate. Just, everything's one. 
or two mana. Right. It's beautiful. And um, a card like Unsubstantiate, which looks like a total piece of garbage, in a situation where everyone has too many cards, is amazing. It's counter target spell or destroy target creature. Right. Return target spell or creature to understand. So your opponent just taps out to play a Soren. Yep. Right? And you're like... Put it back in your hand. Put it back in your hand. Yeah. It's just brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. And, and normally you don't play cards like this because it would use up one of your cards and cards are valuable. But not when you have fewer visions in play when everyone's drawing multiple cards each turn. So, um, yeah, super, super cool deck. So, what, one of the things that's kind of interesting to me about this deck is, A, Tuna Harry's Wrath on the sideboard, which is a card we talked about matching yeah, yeah. really well against the black-white deck. Yep. Very easy for this deck to have access to either Days Undoing or Learn from the Past if it wanted it. Yep. Right? Um... Okay. And and then it just has it just has a bunch of other good stuff like two Weaver of Lightning in the sideboard here, so mm -hmm. super good against the weenie decks. Yep. You know, you could even like if you thought you were going to see more of them, even go a little higher on those. Right, mm -hmm. and they're also just great. Like it's a one four with Reach. It's just a big, pretty big body for yeah for three mana. Huge stop sign. So I, I think this deck's good. What would you? How would you play this deck in the mirror? Right. So that's the really crazy thing. The mirror for this is ugly, really ugly, because. Who casts fewer visions? You kind of want to cast it because it has a it, it's not entirely balanced. Both players draw two, but one player um, you know takes two if their hands too big. Right. And it's at the beginning of each player's end step, so you play it and you immediately get to draw. You get to draw an extra card first. Oh, right. Right? Yeah. So you get to play it, you get to draw a card that turn. So you get the first card. It's unlike Howling Mine, where you always, you know, I mean yeah, yeah, going back, yeah, it's like here, well, don't draw a disenchant. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that would make me so sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, this is going to be a burn matchup. The key, the key card here in the mirror is going to be in, in game one is Thermo Alchemist thing in the ice, right? Like if your opponent plays one of those and you don't kill it, you're going to lose. But they're really hard to keep alive because there's a ton of burn. So it's a it's it's it might just come down to who hits their land drops. I, I think this deck's going to be like hardened scales at Grand Prix Houston. I think it's going to be the huge. So they break out. I think it's going to be the breakout deck. Yeah, I wouldn't I think, be surprised at all. I think it could be as much as 15 to 20% of the field. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about playing it, and I also would not be surprised if that were the case. Um, some of the folks that I've talked to testing this deck actually said that Thing in the Ice is really underwhelming. Oh, really? Yeah, so they're trying to find other cards to put in there. It just looks so good because you're going to be able to flip it. But it's really easy to stop it before it does that and kill it. And it doesn't sure. do a whole lot when you play it. Well, I mean, look at all the decks we've looked at, right? They have Reflector Mages. Grasp of Darkness. Grasp of Darkness. Um, Ultimate Price. Ultimate Price, yeah. You know, there's just no no shortage of removal uh, in the decks. I, I mean, I guess the Eldrazi decks don't play a ton of removal. Like looking at, say, uh, Reed's List. Right. He's got a couple of red... Burn spells, I believe, um, fiery impulses. So Reed has two fiery impulses. Two oh. fiery impulses, and then well, they have the Kozilek's return too, right? Which isn't great for killing an O four. So I guess, yeah, the card can be pretty powerful there. I mean, Dragon Lord of Target kills it, but theoretically, you cast that in turn two, and if you, you know, it doesn't take you that long to to cast four spells. The whole deck is sorceries and instants. So what, what do you what do you what were they what are people thinking about doing instead of thinking? Um, What's thing two? <laughs> thing two. Uh, thing one option is to play a spell that makes mana. 
Um, so a uh, Curious Humunculus, perhaps. Oh, okay. Uh, I like Curious Humunculus yeah. in this deck a lot, actually. Uh-huh. Voracious Reader hits hard, it sure which does. is the flip side of that card. Yep. It flips pretty fast, and you also, the mana is really useful. This deck takes advantage of the mana that, that's offered there. So I think that might be really good technology, actually, for the mirror. You might be better in the mirror with that one, because you could just play it and flip it fast. Right. Um, and... Um, Right, and you can protect it with a Dispel or an Unsubstantiate or something like that. And right, exactly. So you don't have to play it even on turn two necessarily. You can play it a little later. Interesting. Yeah, sandbag it a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting one. I think the, the thing about this deck is that I do think that it's it's a weak deck. What if you replaced, it? What if you replaced it with Bedlam Reveler? Uh, Bedlam Reveler seems awesome. Because there's two in the sideboard. It's, it seems like a great card to me. I, I saw it get played and it was just, you know, you can dump your hand. Right. I guess it's harder for this deck to dump its hand if it's going favored visions, but... Right, I think Bedlam Reveler comes in when you side out favored yeah, visions. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. the idea is your opponent figures out the favored visions plan and you bring in Bedlam Reveler and... Let me tell you, Nahiri's Wrath, Bedlam Reveler have a great interaction. They do have a really Multiple great interaction. Yeah, a lot right? of interactions. One Bedlam Reveler and two lands. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kills a lot of creatures dead. Yeah. And uh, Bedlam Reveler after Nahiri's Wrath lets you just refill your hand. Yeah. Right, and you can stock your yards. So. Yeah, Bedlam Reveler, the key there is that you discard your hand. You discard before you draw the three cards. Yeah. So um, the, you gotta, you got to empty out your hand to make that card good. But uh, Yeah, this deck's really exciting. Decks like this are, however, easy to attack. Okay, right. I let's think attack this, it. I think this is the, um, what was the enchantment that milled every time uh, you played a spell? Milled for two. Uh, oh, sure. Just won a grand for Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it's it's a deck like that, right? Um, if you can attack the enchantment, you're going to do really, really Something well. Something teachings? No. Yeah, it is teachings. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I love. I have a foil of it. I have it in a, in a deck somewhere. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, it's not this block. It's gone. Right. Yeah. I like having a deck like this in the format. They're often blue red decks, um, right? Yeah. Where there's some goofy enchantment that wins the game in an alternate way. Um, so fevered visions, I think, you know, is such a unique effect that you can't get any more redundancy on it. And so it's easy to attack by just attacking this card. Your opponent's deck... But enchantments aren't... So, well, I guess if you're playing Dromoka's Command. Right. So did this, did this deck do well because... I, does it seem crazy card. to play this deck if you're expecting a lot of Bank Company? Like, what number, what percentage are you expecting Bank Company to be at for you to feel comfortable playing this deck? Well, this deck is um, still, I think, good against Bank Company. Not great because of the Dromoka's Command. Two things about that. One... LSV said he didn't want Tremoka's Command. He wanted to reduce the number. So sure. you'll see maybe less of them. The other is that the rest of this deck is set up to attack middle-sized creatures. So you're actually pretty good against Bant Company, I think. Um, you know, you you have better mana, so you're going to play your spells on time. You're going to have a two-drop in play, you know, a Jace or a Thing in the Ice or a Thermal Alchemist, when they start to play their guys, and you can start to pick their creatures off. So... Um, it's not terrible if you can flip a thing or if you can just burn them out before they get going. But yeah, I think if you if they have four Tremokus commands, it, the deck just relies on fewer divisions. It's a favorite divisions deck. So um, I, I think this deck might be a little poor poorly positioned going into I I think Bank Company is gonna be a bigger percentage popular. of the field than people are expecting it to be after it's showing. First yeah, of all, everyone I, wants to be like LSV. That's true. LSU will make it popular again. So that's that's a really good point. You and do everyone have has dispel. it built. You do have two dispels. You're you're ready to attack it a little bit. You yeah. Have to picture some some trunk scan. But um, absolutely, uh, 
it, it, one of the reasons that it can be successful is because because green white died, right? Green white went away. But Dramogus Command, great against this deck. So um, that's a tough call. I wouldn't be afraid to play this, though. I would love to play this deck yeah. in a room full of Lucas Blowhans. Right. Right? Yeah. And and I, I think I even like this deck against the Eldrazi decks. Uh, I think you probably burn them out before they uh, can get online. Yeah. You know? Um, I think I think you burn them out, and again, I mean, maybe maybe your days undoing, maybe you're uh, learning from the past. You things, access to both but those. you have access to both of those really good answers yep. to stone raining Emrakul back six turns. Yeah, exactly. And and if you went with the crazy homunculus, like that's even easier for you to cast. Yeah, the homunculus is a, is a really cool idea. And you get to ping them with a thermalchemist when you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's a cool deck. I think it might be one of those decks that is really really matchup dependent, like. You know, really, some easy, easy matchups where it's just hard for you to lose, and some where it's like, how am I going to ever win this? My opponent figured out how to stop my fever vision. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. Oh, how? What are the ways you attack fever visions besides Dramokus Command? Like, what's very good? Anguished Unmaking, so in the Blowhound deck. Is the only card that attacks it. And, and that's probably not great. But, not great. But, but, it, but you can. They don't have. I guess they have the. You have to deal with their Kalatas for lifelink. Right, not hard to deal with. You can burn that guy. You have, you know, Lightning Axe can just take it out one shot. You can right. unsubstantiate it. Just to buy enough time to finish burning them out. Right. Oh, Collective Defiance also kills Kalatas. Sure. Anyway. So, not super scary. Um, I think, you know, the other ways to attack Fever Visions are those Duresses that Lohan didn't like. Oh, yeah. Have. Duress is insane against this deck. Sure. Um, you take the key cards. Although it's a little weird because you pay mana and they don't, and we're talking about how mana is an important resource for the fear visions to play. But you want to take away the fear visions before that happens with a dress or a transgress. Um, so those can both come out before fear visions. You've also got negate, very popular sideboard card. And if you're playing against this deck and you have um, uh, uh, a spell queller, you can spell queller fear visions. Oh, so sure. Spell queller is going to get burned out by this deck. Right. But the more you can slow it down, the better. Sure. Um, another deck that went nine and one very also very quietly. Yeah. So like so one of the things that can happen is if you, if you don't have a great draft record uh-huh. <laughs> and you have a great standard record, sometimes your card your deck can sort of bob below the surface of the standings, not always get into the feature match area. Right. Uh, so like Pedro Carvalho didn't you know, he was he was kind of in the mid to top tables, but never like you know, down the stretch of day two wasn't in the drama for top eight. Right. So we didn't see him. Right. Um, Despite ben, a tremendous performance in the yeah, yeah, nine one. Benjamin Nikolic, also nine one, with a very innovative deck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he he just played White Weenie. He played, I mean, almost exactly a Tom Ross White Weenie deck. He's got exactly Tom Ross's mana base here: fourteen planes, four battlefield forges, all the lands, and four. Uh, needle Spires on the sideboard with the Reckless Bushwhackers as a sideboard <laughs> plan, which he's been doing for months on the SCG circuit. Right. Right. The innovations in this main deck, he has three Anointer of Champions instead of the fourth Expedition Envoy. Okay. I've seen some. I've seen Anointer of Champions. Usually a two of. When I when I played in that standard event in Hoboken, yep. my opponent had these, yeah. You play them, but usually there's only two. In this case, he's got three. That's not a big change. And he's chosen to go Hanwar Militia Captain main instead of a number of other cards that sat in that slot for, for two cup as a, as a two drop. But he's got three Grispoon, four Always Watching, four Deccan Stone. This deck has been out there. It's been around. In his sideboard, there is 
one very exciting card in the sideboard. And that is Repel the Abominable. Wow. Repel the Abominable, if you look at it, you play a lot of limited, you think to yourself, prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn by non-human sources. So my humans get in a fight with your vampires and I destroy you. Okay. But it doesn't say creatures on it. Right. It says sources. You can stop a causal extra turn with this, including a causal extra turn that hasn't even been cast. It comes out wow. of your graveyard, right? So because you can't counter that normally, you can't. You can't counter it. You can't negate it. Yeah. You can't. You can't spell color it. It just happens. This stops it. Um, so this card really, really exciting for this deck. Gives it a chance against the um, cause like returns of the world. Also great against the really, really cool combo. Um, uh, Henry Romero. I was playing with him. He he called this combo the Red Force of Will, which is when you cast your fiery temper off your lightning axe. Sure. Two red, cast these two spells. Uh, which is what we just saw in the Fever Visions deck. Yeah. Fever Visions deck is doing that, and you just repel the Abominable on that one. Oh, my God. Yeah, it just, just destroys it. And your Thermal Alchemist trigger still in the stack? Don't worry about it. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, really cool card. And, and, you know, who knows? Maybe that's what happened. Is he ran up against a lot of Kozlix return decks, relying on that card to beat him. And he said, I'll just wait a moment and repel. So, fourth Raven Inspector, fourth Thalia's Lieutenant, two Henry Militia Captain, fourth Time Gossip Monger, three Kethian Hero of Akros, three Expedition Envoy, three Anointer of Champions, four Dragon Hunter, four Knight of the White Orchid, four Deck and Stone, three Grispoon, four Always Watching, and then the land you already mentioned, 14 Planes, four Battlefield Forge, just 18 lands. Just 18 lands. Um, if you're going to play this deck, and I love decks like this, um, you are never, ever allowed to keep a one-land hand with seven cards. Okay? You always have to mulligan that. It's so tempting. <laughs> You'll have a one-lander with all one-drops. So I have, I have a one-lander with Thraven Inspector, Town Gossip Monger, and Kithion. Yeah. I can't keep that? Can't keep it. Why not? Well, because if you, you only have 17 more lands in your deck, so you're not at all guaranteed to draw it, and you're not that likely to draw it. And by turn three... Your deck has become terrible. The point of this deck is you can play more spells than your opponent, even though all your spells are less powerful than theirs. So you really want a hand that's going to be able to go turn one, one drop, turn two, two, one two drops. Two one drops, yep. And that's how you win. And skipping a turn on that gives away this deck's whole advantage. You can, on the draw, keep a six-card hand with one land because you get a scry to dig a little bit sure. sharper. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I would be, you know, one of the things about this deck, I think it underperforms because people miss that particular detail. Uh, you watch Tom Ross play it, he doesn't miss that one. Sure. He does really well, yeah. True or false, when you sit down to play round one, <laughs> there's a 100% matchup that this deck will be at the table. Uh, it's a really high percentage <laughs> matchup that somebody at the table will be playing this deck. Um, my my trick here, I think instead of playing Hunter Militia Captain, you want to play some Selfless Spirits. It's a bummer to lose humans. You want as many humans as possible. Right. But against Coslex Return... What you you want, want some main do. deck hedge against Cosmic Return. Yeah, you want to be able, and you also want to play a proactive thing against Cosmic Return, right? I don't want to sit here with two open mana and not advance my board because I'm afraid of your return. Right. So I can play Selfless Spirit and still be advancing my board and then you know, keep tapping my mana. So, um, yeah, I think it's very likely I'll play this deck. It's the kind of deck that I'm comfortable with, and I think it's still tier one, and people aren't concerned with it right now. So you're going to have um, people, you know, hedging in other directions, taking their languages out of their main decks. Right? right. <laughs> so, um, I think it's a pretty good call for this weekend if you like these types of decks. Okay. Yeah. And, you, and you, you've gone down this direction as you've gotten a little older. You've... 
I have. You've, you've liked these kind of like lean, yeah, low to the ground decks. Seduced by the Savannah Lions, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like to be doing Is things. Is it your time spent working on a team with Craig Wesco? Uh, <laughs> you know, it definitely had an impact, although when I worked with Craig, we didn't play a ton of these decks, or I didn't. Um, but yeah, it definitely is part of it. And I think also um, Magic has gone in a different direction. I used to always lean towards the control deck and the counterspell control isn't always available anymore. Right. So I had to try some different things. And there are a couple of times, you know. I, I got to tell you, I look at you, I see, I sit down, you know, not having talked to you, we haven't seen each other in six months. We sit down around one the table. I've got you on bad company. Yeah? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because it's a deck that really, like, leverages your ability to outplay your opponent. Right, yeah, it's a lot of options, there's a lot of different things, and you can also play some interesting cards and mix it up, which I really like to do. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I played a lot of aggro decks in recent years. So so, so this this is the deck you think, Robert. So you think this attacks, how does this deck, let's just talk through the, how does this deck fare against Bank Company? So against Bank Company, um, Bank Company right now is slowed down a little bit. It has a lot more two drops, but the mana's not great, and you see it playing, you know, Archangel. So you just get out in front of them. Um, and if you stick and always watching, it's got to be insane, right? Right. They, you know, their creatures are usually just big enough to block your guys, and you usually have an always watching or a Thalia's Lieutenant to play to make that not valid. So you, game starts, you attack them for two on turn two because they probably haven't played anything they can block, and then you deploy two more creatures, and after that you play an Enhancer, and they can't get good blocks right away. And they very quickly get in this situation where they they are struggling to find defense. And sometimes the game goes really long and you both just play more creatures and they're at two life. Right. And you're just waiting for your moment to kill them, right? So um, it's good against Bank Company because their stuff just deploys so much slower. This deck has to be pretty poor against Lucas Blohan's deck as it's configured at the Pro Tour. Yeah. With four main deck language. Yeah. And, you know, with the dead weights as well, really tough. And the Lilianas are, are really good against right. this deck because you have so many one-toughness creatures. Yep. Um... That's a challenge um, and one that I personally am comfortable with. If you have a big or controlling environment, you know that deck's going to be popular. I would lean away from this deck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Reed and or Owen's takes on Emrakul. Both of those similar. Um, they have Kozlex Return, which is scary, but they have a lot of do-nothings. So in any hand, when they don't have a Kozlex Return, they're going to struggle to do to stop you from killing them before their cards really come online. Uh, How do you deal with a Narwhal Dryad? Because that seems like a bad card for your early game plan. It just has Death Touch no matter what. Yep. So they can just, like, just trade favorably with almost anything other than, say, a Knight of the White Orchid, right? Yeah, it's basically a dead weight, um, but it also turns on your Griff Spoons and your Declarations and stuff. Okay. So what I'll often do is you, you can often build one really big creature, like a Lieutenant, um, so that just gets pumped a lot, or you have one creature that survives a couple of them blocking or killing something and picks up a couple of lieutenant counters. You target your Griff Spoon on that creature and you can kill them even though they have that guy on the ground. And other times, the fact of the matter is, that's a great card against you, but it's not amazing. They right. trade for one of your one drops, you just play two more. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Right, you have a lot more early creatures than they do and you're a lot more likely to have them. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things in this deck, a really important card in this deck is Kithion, which allows you to both come out really fast, but then get something that's not a creature into play. Okay. So, you know, you flip Kithion, you have now Gideon, and they cause X return, and your Gideon um, doesn't die. Now you can attack them for four. So, um, 
that's one of the best uses for that Gnarlwood is forcing you to pay three mana that turn to keep your Kithian alive or whatever it is. So you're bringing in four needle spires against what? And what do you take out? Do you, do you go up to 22 lands in those situations? Do you go to 20 lands? Do you Usually, say 18? You go to 20 or 21 depending on what you're bringing in. It used to be that there was Gideon in the sideboard. It's not here anymore. But yeah, you bring in needle spires and Rickless Bushwhacker as a package against Languish. Okay. So both of them are really good. You know, they, they play a Languish, they sweep the board. You untap, play two one-drops in Rookish Bushwhacker, and you're hitting them for, you know, six, eight damage. Maybe there's an always watching to add to that, and it's a bunch. Or you don't have the Bushwhacker, but they, you know... Um, you Needle Spire them. You Needle Spire them with an always watching, that's a lot of damage, right? So that's what those are there for. Um, the rest of the sideboard, you know, Stasis Snare is good against decks that play Archangel Avacyn um, and are able to get that far. It usually comes in against Bant Company so that when they... Coco, mid-combat, you can take out an important blocker at instant speed. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I think Repel the Abominable is the card that I want in that sideboard. You know? So, and, and you want and you want to move Selfless Spirit yeah. into the main deck at the cost of the Hammer Militia Captains. Yeah, absolutely. Hammer Militia Captain, really good in the mirror. Um, kind of a funny card. It's one of those ones that you can actually put a big Grispoon on, so you know I might try to keep one in the deck by cutting something else, but... Um, Handle Militia Captain, you know, when it flips, it's a Star Star, which is the number of creatures you have in play. That can be a very, big, very fast in this deck. And it also makes humans, right? Makes there, humans. there was a time where the token creatures deliberately did not make humans, right? right? Where fact, you could not get a token maker on an Estrada yep. to save your life that made a human. Yeah, but this one makes humans. It makes white-black human clerics, is it? Yeah, human yeah, clerics. Yeah, black-white. So, um, yeah, super uh, Super, super awesome. relevant with Thalia's Lieutenant. Very relevant with Thalia's Lieutenant, yeah. And uh, with the human fog. Yeah, so you can just pile up a bunch of guys in front of a creature. Yeah, and fog. Or attack with all your guys safely and still do damage to your opponent with the ones that come through. I wouldn't be afraid to try to repel the Abominable in the main deck. Wow. Because it has utility in so many different places. Yeah. So what would you what would you put it in for? Like, so what, what would that look like? The flex spots in this deck are Griff's Boons and um, the Hanra Militia Captains. Okay. And... You know, you can shave an anointer or an expedition envoy as well. Okay. Uh, so Grispoon's a really interesting one. Um, sometimes it's super important. Sometimes it's not. It depends on the metagame. Obviously, like, you don't really care that much about Grispoon against um, Blohan's deck. Right? It's just a plus one plus one enchantment for the most part. So. What, what do you think about... Uh, so so you, you if you went with... The Repel the Abominables, would you also go with Selfless Spirits, or would you not? Yeah, I think I might do, if I was going to do that, I would do one and one. Um, okay. Especially when I haven't had a chance to test a format a lot. I'm happy to try a powerful card that is a one-of and does something I want to do, because the surprise factor matters, and if it's not working out, you can sideboard it out throughout the sure. day. So I would, I might run one and one. Um, but most likely what I'll do is I'll do two Selfless Spirits in the main and play um, a couple of the Repels in the sideboard. Um, yeah, one of the things that I don't like about that white deck is that it's not particularly flexible. You can't change a lot of things about it because you need the cards that do exactly what they do. The cards that say human on them. Um, and I like to have some tricks in my builds. You know, I like, I like for people who are saying, oh, I know that list. You can't have card X to lose the game because they say that. Right. right. All right, one, one last card. We, we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Prized Amalgam. And Haunted Dead and that interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, 
There are a couple decks that fit that into the Teamer Emerge package. I love that idea. So, like, Yuki Matsumoto, uh, this is a, I think, a 7-3 and three list or something along those lines. Yeah, 7-3. and three. It had 7 wins. Yeah, yeah. It might have had some draws. So... But 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 a, a deck that that's worth looking at. So four Jace, three Noose Constrictor, as just awesome a way to card. get cards into your yard. Four Prize Amalgam, one Nissa Vestwood Seer, four Haunted Dead, one Stitchwing Scab as just like an extra Haunted Dead. Yeah. Uh, four Elder Deep Fiend, four Traverse the Ovenwald, four Gather the Pack, four Grapple the Past, Grapple the Past, four Kozilek's Return, and then twenty three lands. So everything's really. Really is, cheating on lands, but yeah. Well, they're playing these cards that can get lands. So Traverse the Open World helps you cheat on right, lands. right. But uh, the the number of Kozilek's returns, right, um, in this deck that plays all these creatures that die to Kozilek's return is hilarious. <laughs> right? Four Haunted Dead, four Kozilek's return. What? <laughs> that's crazy. Um, but clearly, you know, that's the plan. You play an Elder Deep Fiend, and the Kozilek return comes back and wipes the board. You just get your guys back. Right. You, you discard some cards. To get a hunted it back and it brings back Prize Amalgam with it. So I want to see some pot pie deck. I want to see some decks that's just like Fevered Visions, Elder <laughs> Deep Fiend, uh, you know, Prized Amalgam and Haunted Dead. Yeah, just like some Grixis pot pie. Right? Just yeah. throw it all in the throw, throw it all in the mix. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, that sounds like the uh, original Beach House deck. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now we're slipping into the other topic. Oh, podcast. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Talking about decks from, you know, <laughs> decks Mark Herbold's built from 12 years, years ago. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so, like, this this interaction's super, super powerful. Like, yeah. if you can get a Haunted Dead in your graveyard, uh, which News Constrictor and Jace uh, Rinse Prodigy are very good at doing. Right. Um, you can pay Black One, discard two cards. If those two cards are prized amalgams... They go to your graveyard. Yep. Then the Haunted Dead the comes. Cost. As part of the cost. Then the Haunted Dead comes into play. And then Prize Amalgam says, oh, did a creature enter the battlefield from the graveyard? Yes, it did. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, excellent, excellent. Well, now I will come into play at the end of the turn tapped. Right. So you get to do this at the end of your opponent's turn. You go, you know, so you put, first of all, you're putting a four mana creature into play, which is relevant in a deck of four Elder Deep Fiends. Yes. And two uh, three mana And then two three mana, two three mana creatures. And six points of power, you know, and it's nine total between uh -huh. the three creatures. And then, you know, you have this great target for your Elder Deep Fiend. Your Elder Deep Fiend now costs blue, blue, one. Yep. If you sacrifice Haunted Dead. Uh-huh. In which case, you can then activate your Haunted Dead again if you need to, if your right. Prize Amalgams die in combat or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super powerful and really exciting. Elder Deep Fiend is one of the cards I'm most excited about. I really like these um, Merge cards, and he, love, he has another card I'm super excited about in the sideboard. He has three Distended Mindbender. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah. you can switch from trying to tap you out to make you discard stuff. Um, really cool cards. And this deck it looks super exciting and also super nerve-wracking. Like, some of these cards interact in such beautiful ways, and some of them interact in such awkward ways. Right. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, I think, a deck that has a ton of potential, but has, you know, it's probably 12 cards off still right. of where it needs to be. So you know what card I kind of want in this deck? Lightning Axe. Oh, yeah. I feel like I want a Lightning Axe in this deck really badly. Yeah. I just want to be able to discard a, a Haunted Dead when, when I when I want. Like, the Noose Constrictor and the Jace obviously helped do that. Right. But I... You could see getting rid of, you know, 
The green here is here to dump stuff in the graveyard, the grapple with the past, the gather the pack, and the traverse the Olin wall. Yeah. Are the big green cards. So you kind of have to keep green, but you could cut... Um, Noose Constrictor? Uh, Noose Constrictor. And you could cut black or blue from the deck as well. Uh, actually, you have to keep black. You could cut blue because you don't need prize to Malcolm to ever be cast. Sure, but but you need, well, you want your other deep feet. Or are you saying you just go to... You switch to Descend of Mind you better. You switch to Descend of Mind better. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's the awkward thing about this deck, though, is that it just wants a lot of different colors of spells <laughs> to really get things going. Yeah, I mean, this. look at this. Look at this mana base. Three forests, two lumbering falls, four evolving wilds, two islands, two swamps, three Yavamaya Coast, four Lanamar Waste, three Sunken Hollow. Yeah, this deck could very easily add a waste and start casting, you know, um, <laughs> a colorless creature spells that have, uh, you know, colorless mana in the cost. Um because it's playing all of these coasts in, in Lenore Waste, right? Um, yeah, it, the really interesting challenge right now is finding what creatures do you sacrifice to your Elder Deep Feed. Right. And there's some great targets the, here. Haunted Dead is the best target. Haunted Dead's great, but you didn't get that much for your Haunted Dead in the first place if you raw cast it, right? You say, I pay four mana for this Haunted Dead, I get a 1-1 one, one flyer, and next turn I just sacrifice the Haunted Dead. Having the Graveyard's a benefit in this deck, but on raw like interaction there, I spent four mana to get a 1-1 one, one so I could play this other creature. Right. What you really like is those. Well, you don't. You don't ever. I don't think you ever want to cast your uh, hunted dead. Right. You always want to. I think you always want to. That's that's why you know you have the four J's. You have the three news constrictor. That's kind of why I want to figure out like I you know is there a way to get two lightning axes or some other discard out? I guess you don't really have enough. You're never actually casting red cards in this deck. There's so no red cards. There's no red mana yeah. in this deck, so you can't do that. But. Right, yeah, but I hear saying there's also the um, the, the teamer package. There's the you know give minus two minus two to a creature or look at your hand and take a sorcerer instant or do two to you, where you can escalate it by discarding a card. Oh sure. So that's sort of a form of a lightning axe you could play. Those abilities are just a little bit weak, it feels like, but um, that might be a way to go with this deck. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this deck's super awesome, but we talked about it picks up a lot of splash damage. I guess gather the pack puts cards in your yard. Grapple puts cards in your yard. Also, so you can just sort of inadvertently get your Haunted Deads in there, too. Right, yeah. Again, no Vessel and Nascency, which also seems like a fine card. For seems like deck. a good fit here. Um, yeah, this is this is basically Dredge, right? This is yeah. trying to be a Dredge deck. Yeah, so what, what's, your, what's, your, where, what's your temperature on this deck? Uh, cool, but not there yet? Yeah, I, want, I, I, I do think it needs 12 cards. And it's crazy because it seems like it's, it can't change at all because so many cards are essential to what it's doing. But it's, it's not, just not there yet. But I think it's a really cool deck that will show up in the format again. I wouldn't play it right now. <laughs> Unless I would play it at like a less important tournament for, okay. for fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, to see the way the cards interact and to learn about it. But I don't see it as tier one. So so I have access to everything. Uh-huh. I'm heading to the Grand Prix. We all do. We all have access to everything. I'm saying I have access to all yeah, the cards. Yeah, yeah. I can build all the decks. Yeah. What uh where 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 are we? What's what are the decks that we have to beat? Like, what what are the what are our? Because you can't beat everything. Right? You can't beat everything. You can't just it just doesn't exist. So what are, what are the decks we're most trying to beat? What, where do we? What's our focus for this tournament? First place and second place from the Pro Tour. Right. People are going to play those decks. Bant. And from there, I think you've got kind of everything covered in terms of what to expect. So so, so some sort of Emerald deck. Some sort of bat deck yep. and the black white control deck. And the black white control deck. And, and those top. are the three. And so, like, if you could position yourself against two of those, do you feel good? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and then, you know, after that, you can start to look at some of the peripheral decks. We talked about how we think Fever Visions is going to be present. I'd love to be able to compete with Fever Visions. Um, but yeah, I would say... If you can I think I'd like to compete with Fever Visions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, actually, I actually think that deck is well-positioned against too. two or three, even, of those decks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can make some modifications to, to sort of even shore those up. Yeah, I think it's a great deck choice for this weekend, especially as people learn how to play against it. And the other thing about it, like, if you... I would have a plan for the mirror. I don't know what that would be, but I would right. one, have to. One of the signs of why that deck is good, nobody else is casting burn spells. So people aren't ready for burn spells. Sure. They're not gaming against burn spells. So that's also why I like the white weenie deck, is nobody else is playing one drops. Nobody else is playing one drops and attacking with them, right? So those are two angles that everybody else is targeting those top three decks, and they're missing these other these other strategies. So, yeah. All right. So, all right, that's our first week of we Dex to Beat. We did it. We've <laughs> talked about it for a while. Yeah. The we question will be whether or not we do it again next week. But yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to do this every week and and really uh, talk to you about the, the, the what's going on and and like you know I'll, I'll always have some crazy ideas about what's going on and you're a good ground uh, for me. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of perfect. I, <laughs> I always need the crazy ideas so that it gives me something to think about because I get attached to these. I get attached to the top decks. I get attached to this deck's too good. You can't fight it. So right. that's where we're... And, uh, and, you know, Gabe is really like, listen to him. Because if you're going to try to t- if you're gonna try to top eight an event, you're trying to get there, Gabe, Gabe's your guy. Gabe, how do people find you on Twitter? I am at uncle underscore GCB. Uh, I'm at top eight games on Twitter. Yep. And, uh... You know, we're going to have a Twitter account pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll figure out a Twitter account for, for the podcast. But right now, thanks for listening to uh, The Decks to Beat with yeah. Complete Magic.